We both own our own businesses and we both have inconsistent incomes. Our entire marriage, we have never had the same check from week to week or month to month. We had a large amount of debt um, from student loans, from pouring back into our businesses, and from a little foolishness. <laughs> so we just knew we were one crisis away from a full financial crisis. So we took the Financial Peace University class of January 2018, and then the crisis happened. And it happened uh, two, two classes in. Two classes into FPU. Mm -hmm. We completely lost one income. And so when we started the steps in the class, the first thing you do is you have your $1,000 um, emergency fund, and we couldn't even get to the first step. So we needed extra help. And so after speaking to the facilitators, they directed us to one of the Financial Peace University coaches. You know, she came up with a plan of, we need to establish your four walls first. We need to just focus on the basics. So that was just, you know, focusing all of our income towards, you know, rent or mortgage, uh, utilities, putting food on the table, caring for our child. It's just about, let's get a good foundation going and make sure that foundation is just really sturdy before we even move on to any other steps. So we are actually still in the thick of working on this, but even though we're not where we wanna be, just having our four walls and together we go over our finances once a week now, we pray over our finances. It's just, we're so much more united and we just didn't have that before. I think, you know, if anything, Taking the classes really helped us start communicating about our finances. And we're making decisions together about our money, which we weren't before. You know, that's been the most impactful, I think. And I think that's what's gonna carry us forward, is just communicating about how we spend our money. You know, taking it day by day, step by step. You know, no matter how long it takes us personally to get to where our goals are. Now we have these tools and we have started this momentum that could really just positively affect our daughter and her life and her family and their family, I mean, generations to come. It's just so powerful and really amazing. I'm gonna cry. <laughs>
um, to the finance series. And this is a perfect time. If you are invited by a friend, they um, think you have problems. And so, you know, this is an intervention for you. Um, <clears throat> no, but uh, really, every year, th- this is one of the most um, popular series uh, to skip. And so, thank you for showing up. And so, I- I'm proud of you guys just for being here. Um, but really, um, I-, I kind of am confused, to be honest, just because... If you know me, and many of you don't, but I don't know much about finances, uh, to be honest. So it's almost as like Pastor Cam says, okay, who's the one guy on staff who would do, who's like the worst at finances? It's like, oh, well, that's Harrison. Okay, well, let's have him teach on it, and maybe he'll learn something in the process. And, and so that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm learning right now because I'm a simple person. Here's how it works for me. Listen. Um, you give to God first and you're generous to others. That's pretty simple. Uh, you save up because life will hit you one day. And uh, just don't spend more than you make. All right? Boom. We're going to pray and we're getting out. And that's all I got. So, no, I'm actually just kidding about that, which I know is actually disappointing. But here, let me, let me paint a picture for you guys. Because why do we do this? We don't want to lose sight of the intention behind this. Uh, because if we do, we kind of miss what God's trying to do. Okay? So we talk about this all the time. Because just envision... You know, you got a friend comes to you, and they're just kind of sharing where they're at. And they're saying things like, listen, I don't know what's going on, but my marriage is at a place that is just kind of scaring me. It's not working. Things are not happening well. And I'm looking at my kids, and I lost it with my kids, and I don't know why. This anger is explosive. It's coming out of nowhere. And so you're sitting across the table from a friend that is sharing all this stuff with you, and your friend might be a little different. It might be, I just graduated college, and all of a sudden I'm paying for student loans, and I'm trying to find a job, and everything's adding up, and it doesn't make sense. The bills are coming. The income is not. And so you realize, after a conversation that at the root of this is an overwhelming fear that is born out of debt or born out of some kind of financial crisis. Listen, just to be honest with you, I'm kind of tired of of hearing these stories. I'm tired of living these kind of stories where I'm one financial crisis away from everything feeling like it's broken. So that's why we talk about this. We talk about this like if that was your friend, listen to me, if that was your friend and they were sitting across the table, wouldn't you want the church to say, hey, we know a better way to do this. We know that God teaches us how to spend wisely, how to invest wisely. Scripture shows us how to live in freedom, how to live in joy instead of fear and bondage. If your friend was sitting there, wouldn't you want the church to say something? And I get that we hate talking about this. And I hate it because there are people who are just on the edge going, man, the church, I don't trust it because of the financial thing. And what we're saying is like, man, but if you heard the word of God, it could bring life where right now you feel in bondage. And so because of that, we want to speak to it. We want to talk about it. All right, so that's, that's the why we're doing this. And so I'm going to go ahead, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. Um, we're going to, I'm going to give you three different passages that we're looking at because I want to just walk us through three different areas that we can focus on as we're talking about how to get back in the black, how to live in freedom, how to focus on what God has for you. All right, so in these passages, let me just go ahead and tell you what, the, what they are because we're moving around. 
And so when I tell you what they are, you just kind of mark them, all right? So first off, we have Proverbs 3. Lock that one down. Matthew 13 and Ecclesiastes 1. So we're jumping, so good luck keeping up. If you don't have a Bible, uh, that's okay. We'll put some of the passages up here. Um, but really, we, we want you to bring an engaged scripture because, you know, when I'm talking about stuff, I'm giving you a snapshot. But what you want to do is you want to dig in. You want to, like, sit there with it. You want to, like, engage with the text. And so as we go through these things, bring your Bible, bring a journal with you. Write through these things, kind of engage what is happening, all right? And so, again, first thing, and those three passages are three parts of this message. So first, we're going to talk about a proverb. And here's the reason I want to start with a proverb, because these are wisdom sayings. The proverbs are these sayings of wisdom that were written down primarily by this guy, King Solomon. And so he wrote most of the proverbs that we see. Now, here's what a, a, a proverb is not. It is not a true for all time, all situations kind of saying. It is a generally true and reliable statement based on observations, okay? So that's why the Proverbs are so powerful. It's not saying, like, this is true every time, all the time. It is saying, like, generally, when you look at our world, when you see the way our world functions, then these Proverbs are going to lead you and not fail you, generally speaking. All right, I'll give you an example. Here's a passage, Proverbs 21, 20. And here's what it says. It says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Okay, so generally speaking, the wise do have wealth. They're looking at their stuff going like, I know I should live within my means. I know I shouldn't spend what I don't have. I know I should save for a rainy day. And so the wise typically do have wealth and luxury. But I know some wise people who live in poverty. If you've ever been on a mission trip and you've sat with people who live in some of the most extreme, poverty-stricken areas, you listen to the words that come out of their mouth and you go, oh my goodness, where does this wisdom come from? Same thing is true here, you know, but fools spend whatever they have. I've met some really wealthy, foolish people, right? Your friends, you know who they are, right? You know that this, so generally speaking, this is true. If you're wise, you will have wealth. If you're a fool, most of the time you're going to spend everything that you've got. And you're going to be blindly falling into one problem after another and going like, why does this keep happening? You know, but generally speaking, this is true. So that's how Proverbs work. So we're going to jump into Proverbs 3. This is the one that I want us to lock onto. This message has three parts. First is a proverb that we need to lock into. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Here's what it says. Trust in the Lord... With all your heart. Trust in the Lord all your heart. We're not saying like, hey, give God 80% of your heart in your life. But the money stuff, that you need to go get a business book on. You know, that is something else that you need to deal with. The Bible doesn't know how to deal with money. So you got to go talk to somebody. He says, no, no. Listen, trust in the Lord with all of it. Everything you've got, all of life can be trusted and should be trusted to him. And here's why. And do not lean on your own understanding. I'm, I know most of us, if you grew up in church, you've heard this passage before. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding because let's be honest, your understanding is not always right. Listen to your spouse. Listen to your friends. They'll tell you you're wrong, right? So listen, everybody's like, okay, yeah, all right. Okay, let's do this right now. No, I'm just saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You need others. You need the wisdom of Scripture. You need a perspective that you don't have from where you sit. It's by design. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, 
he will make straight your paths. Here's what that means. If you trust him, he's not going to fail you. If you trust in his ways, he's not going to lead you into a ditch. There's not going to be a point where you go, man, you told me this was gonna, that's not going to happen. Lean not on your own understanding, but lean on his understanding. And he's going to make straight your paths. He's going to, all these things that tripped you up before, he's going to smooth them out so that you have a way. He's not going to fail you. But look at this. So two verses later. Solomon says, there's a way that's better than you think. There's a way that's bigger than you think. And he said, and then two verses later, look what he says. He starts talking about money. Thanks, Solomon. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and, the first, and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Then your vats will be bursting with wine. He says, trust God first and then your barns. I know some of you came here going like, man, my barns are empty. And I need to fill my stinking barns. You know, in the borough, represent, we actually have that problem. But, you know, I don't know if that's, we're really looking to fill barns or you got vats and you're like, my wine ran out and I need new wine. I don't know where we're at. But the point is, listen, God designed it this way. There's something about the way God created things that when you begin with gratitude, when you begin with generosity, knowing that it all belongs to him anyway, right? Then, then everything else tends to go better for you. If you begin in that place, then all these other things tend to follow suit. And so here's a proverb I want you to lock into. Proverbs 21.5. I know we're bouncing around a lot. Here's what it says. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The plans of the diligent produce an abundance. Here's the deal. We're talking about stewardship um, because I'm not good at it. So, you know, you, you got to end with that. But here's the deal. Stewardship, it's not a matter of understanding. It's not a matter of, do you understand how it all works together? Do you kind of know all the tricks of the trade? Do you know all the how to get wealthy, quick things? It's not a matter of understanding. It's a matter of discipline, right? It's just like eating healthy. And now we're getting, now we're getting personal, but let's go for it, um, right? So generally speaking, you know what is wise and you know what is unwise, right? You know what is ha- eating healthy. Let's do a quick test. Um, grilled chicken or fried chicken, which one's healthy? This whole crew is like, I'm not answering that question. I'm not, I'm not going there, man. You know, but so we generally know what is wise, right? Is that the problem? Is the problem that we don't have enough understanding? No, the problem is the discipline. The problem is that I still love fried chicken, and I'm going to eat fried chicken. So, so many of us know the, the wisdom of Scripture. We know the wisdom of stewardship. That's not the problem. The problem is we don't have the discipline to follow through. The problem is we don't have a plan that we're sticking to diligently and then seeing the abundance come from what God is doing. And so I want to give you a plan that, you, that is uh, not a new plan. Um, it's a plan that I've heard all my life. Um, it's super exciting. Um, what is not new, it, this, this plan is not new, but what might be new for you is actually sticking to a plan. All right, so here's the plan. Um, boom, 10-10-80 plan. How many of you have heard of it? Okay, 10, 10, 80 plan. I grew up on this. It was like John 3, 16, and then he taught me the 10, 10, 80 plan, all right? So this has been in my house and in my mind for a long time. Um, but here's how it works, and I'll show you um, what we do in our house. Uh, we drag our kids into spiritual things because we think it's healthy. Um, <clears throat> so so here's, here's what we talk about. We say there's a spend envelope, there's a save envelope, uh, there's a give envelope. And so we get our kids and all of our kids have their three little folders. And whenever they get any kind of money, 
um, we say, okay, everybody, let's do this. Let's put 10% in give. And everybody's so excited about this until they realize what we're doing. And they're like, right now, they're fighting us. They're like, I'm not giving you my money. And we're like, it's not your money. Put it in a stinking envelope in the name of Jesus, you know. So you throw that in and you win every time, you know. Okay. So, so you, you, they get 10 bucks and we're like, all right, dollar in the give. Awesome. That's so sweet. All right, everybody put a dollar in the save envelope because you know something's coming. Maybe you want to buy something. You got a big dream in your life, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Rainy day's coming. You're going to kick a hole in the wall coming out of your save envelope. You know what I mean? And, and then it's like, and you get $8. You get $8 to spend on anything you want. And so we spend it on like gas money because they wanted to. Um, but that's how the, so that's how the 10-10-80 plan works, right? So 10% goes to giving. 10% goes to saving because life is going to hit, right? There's storms are coming. If you don't realize that, it's coming soon. So just kind of get an umbrella. But I mean, so you save because it's a way, it's a plan that you diligently stick to because of future dreams you might have that you want to be a part of or because you just know life is going to hit you and then you have 80% to live on. And here's the deal. Here's part of the diligent plan. Live within your means. You don't have 110% like football players do. You know, they can give 110%. I don't even know how that's possible. You have 100, that's it. When you run out, you stop. Some of us didn't re- learn that rule. Some of us realized, like, no, when I run out, I get a credit card. And so th- this, is, this is how we got to do this. There's a plan that's diligent, but here's the deal. Let me just bring this up. We're not just talking about this so you can save money. Right? We're, we're not just talking about this because we think it's super important. Like, you, you've learned this, right? You know, money makes for a, a great... A servant, but a poor master, right? You've, you've heard that before. It will come up on the screen in a second and you'll see what I'm saying. Uh, but money makes for a great servant and a poor master. You don't want to be enslaved to these things. You want your money working for you. You want these things to be a slave to what you are about. But listen, we're not just talking about getting back in the black so you feel good about yourself. You've got to have a bigger vision than this. You've got to have a bigger dream than this. And that's why we're talking about um, not just a proverb, but I want to lead you to this parable. I want you to see this story that Jesus tells, and I'm telling you why. Um, Because this parable, for me, it has changed, it's just been stuck on my mind. How many of you have read scripture, and this scripture just kind of seems to be stuck right in your brain? That's how it is for me. It seems like, man, it's a really simple story. It's a really beautiful story, but it is crazy profound if you get it, all right? And so here's the story. I think it's going to come up here. If not, I'm going to read it off my notes. Okay, so the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. So here's what's awesome, right? The whole Old Testament, people are waiting. They're longing for something worth living for. They're longing for heaven to come down. In the Jewish mindset, the whole picture is heaven touching earth. And so they're going, where is heaven? When is it coming? We, things are wrong. And so Jesus then says, the kingdom of God is here. He kicked open the door of heaven and now heaven is coming. So the kingdom of heaven is here now. It's not just coming. You and I are experiencing, experiencing it now. And in the New Testament, the first time they're experiencing the kingdom of heaven is present. It's here. 
And he says, here's what it's like. It's like a treasure hidden in a field. It's this thing of crazy worth which a man found. And then he covered it up quickly. And then in his joy he goes and sells everything that he has. He sells his kids. His No, no that's not in there. But he sells everything else that he has. And he said, just because I'm, I've got to buy this field because in this field is a treasure that is worth everything. And then the next story goes, the kingdom of heaven, it's like a merchant who's in search of fine pearls. Who in finding one pearl of great value went and sold everything that he had and he bought it. Why? Because the kingdom is worth it. When you see it, when you get a taste of it, it's worth everything for you. So why do we keep talking about money? Why do we encourage you to be wise with your finances? Get back in the black. St start spending within your means. You know, stay in the Why do we challenge you to live counterintuitively to what everybody else is saying around you? Why do we challenge you to make sacrifices that nobody else is making? Why do we invite you into thinking differently about things? Because the kingdom of God, it is worth it. His kingdom is much better. It comes, it is worth everything that you have to gain. And listen to me, it's not even a sacrifice. It would be a sacrifice if you sold everything that you had for something less. You're selling your measly lame stuff for the kingdom of heaven you gain in this. And so when you gain this perspective, Jesus is saying, when you get the kingdom, you get me. And then you can see all your stuff better. You can understand what's going on. And so that's why we're talking about these Proverbs. Yes, we want to spend and do all these things wisely, but we don't want to lose sight. Because what this parable shows us is that there's a whole lot more going on. The kingdom has come. And so the reason that we're struggling with this is because we're not seeing right. We look at other people and we go, well, I wish I had that. We see their stuff and not their problems and we think, man, life is pretty good for them. So here's the deal. Not only do we need to listen to the wisdom of these Proverbs and heed the wisdom in this parable, but we need a new perspective. So here's what's kind of cool. We're going to talk about a perspective here. <clears throat> so, the same guy who wrote all these Proverbs, Solomon, King Solomon, many of you might have known him. Um, he's the son of David. Solomon's the guy when God said, Solomon, you could have anything. You could have anything you want. What do you want? He said, I want wisdom. I want wisdom to live right. I want wisdom to lead your kingdom. I want wisdom to build something for you that brings glory to you. I want wisdom so that I can actually do the things. The task ahead of me is this big. My wisdom is this big. I need something big here. And so he gives him wisdom. And so Solomon writes the Proverbs, and, and we just heard that. But then he writes Ecclesiastes, a much older and wiser man. And he takes off his like kingly crown and he sets it down for a minute. And then he steps up to a lectern as the preacher. This is kind of cool if you read through Ecclesiastes. And I'm going to try to walk through the whole thing of Ecclesiastes in one scope. But he steps up to a lectern. And here's how he begins his class. You ready for this? Vanity of vanities. What a depressing guy. He says, it's all meaningless. All of it. He, the, the wisest man in the world says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, it's all meaningless, it's all 
pointless. You're sitting at the man who is the wisest man, sitting at the feet of the wisest man in the world, and he says, it's all pointless. Everything you're living for, pointless. Maybe in his old age, he just got a little bit more feisty. But here's, here's the idea. This word vanity, it's havel. And here's what it means. So the word havel is like this idea of like a vapor or a smoke or breath. And so here's what's kind of cool. We're kind of going like Halloween right now, so just you know, hang in there for a second. Um, but here's, Havel is this idea of it's temporary. It's mysterious. It's often translated like pointless or meaningless. It is actually like smoke. Because you can look at smoke, and it looks solid, but every time you like try to grab it, right? Every time you try to take hold of it, 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 there's nothing there. There's no substance to it. And he says, of all the things under the sun, it's vanity. It's pointless. Here's what he says. And let's go to, I want to show it to you right here. Um, so he goes through, throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, wealth, all these things under the sun, wealth, power, prestige, your work, your pleasures. He says, I've pursued these things to the fullest extent than you can imagine. I've run after these things to the, as, as far as it'll go. Look at, look at what he says about some of these things. In Ecclesiastes 2, he says, I hated all my toil. That's work, his career, his, what he devoted his life to, okay? I hated this. Uh, all the toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who's going to come after me. Who knows what he will do with it if he's going to be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. He says this is also vanity. He says your career, working hard, it's pointless, it's meaningless. It's like smoke. You, you try to take hold of it and you can't ever grasp it. It looks solid, it looks stable, it looks like it's going to satisfy, but it never does. Okay, look at this in um, chapter 5. Verse 10, he says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Thanks, Solomon. You're an encourager. He, right? Nor, nor he who loves wealth will his income, it, it, nothing's going to satisfy. He says it's all vanity. You look at everything under the sun, everything you're chasing after under the sun. Look at what it says in verse 1, 14. He says, I've pursued all of these things, and it's all vanity. It's a striving after the wind. It's all vanity. And he actually, here's what's funny. This guy actually chased the wind. He's like, all right, load up in the boats. We're going to chart the winds. We're going to chart the seas. We're going to follow everything we can. We're going to get as much out of life as we can. And he says, listen, everything under the sun, it's pointless. It's havel. It's a vanity. It's a mysterious, temporary, unsatisfactory pursuit. And he says, it's all a striving after the wind. You're running after it and you never quite get there. And then he shows us the secret. Solomon gives us a clue as to why. Why chasing after wind never brought a sense of satisfaction. In chapter 3, verse 11, this is one of my favorite verses in Scripture because it gives me a new perspective. Look at what it says. It says, God, he has put eternity into man's heart. So here's the deal. If you're looking at everything under the sun to give you a sense of identity, it's never going to happen. 
Some of us look at prestige, some of us look at power, some of us look at wealth, and all these things, and we're like, man, this is where I'm finding my identity, this is where I'm finding my worth, and he's saying, like, listen, if this is what you're pursuing, it's never going to get you where you want to go, it's all vanity, it's a chasing after the wind. He says, everything under here, if you're seeking after it, if you're running after it, if you're hoping it's going to give you something that will satisfy, he says, it's striving after the wind, because, listen, you have had eternity written on your heart. It's been put in you. God created in you a, an eternal capacity and everything under the sun cannot fill this eternal capacity. Everything under the sun says, yes, we can. We can fill you. We can satisfy you. We can give you a life. We can give you freedom. We can give you worth and identity. And every single time it makes that grand promise, it lies to your face because it is under the sun because you are an eternal being. You've had something created in you that can only be satisfied by that which is eternal. Nothing under the sun is going to work for you. That's by design. Because if you can only be satisfied by eternity, there's only one who can bring satisfaction in your life. Right? I love the way that Dallas Willard says this. He says, you are a never-ceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Never-ceasing. You're here for a while. You're here for eternity. You were made for eternity. And he says that you are this unceasing, never ceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Listen, created not for what is under the sun. You were created for what is beyond the sun. You were created for what is above, excuse me, what is above that line. That's where your heart is satisfied. And here's what's even cooler about this. You know, we're talking about who you are, but listen, twice in Ecclesiastes, Solomon stops and he says, listen, he says, um, when you have this perspective that I was made for eternity, then when you look at the things that are under the sun, then you realize you respond with gratitude. The things that are under the sun, you look at like a gift from God, not God themselves, Right? My little dry eyes here is freaking out, so just hang with me. I hope it doesn't explode. Anybody know about that? Okay. <clears throat> Twice, he gives you this eternal perspective. He says in Ecclesiastes 3.13 and 5.19, he says, These things, wealth, power, prestige, work, pleasure, they are all a gift from God and must not become your functional God. The problem is we often allow all these things to replace God instead of seeing them as a gift from God. And so when you have an eternal perspective, all of a sudden you understand the way things are meant to be. And so listen, we're not created to live for the things that are under the sun. We're created for eternity. Is that loud? Can y'all hear that? I'm going to move. You know what? There it goes. It's all vanity, right? It's meaningless, Havel, pointless, pointless props. Listen, we're going to wrap up right here. You're not created to live for things that are under the sun. You're created for eternity, okay? Our eternal perspective helps us 
understand that these things under the sun, they're gifts. They're not our functional God. We're created for more. Listen, you are meant to see things differently. So this is important. And if we miss this, we miss everything. All right. I'm going to say this clearly. Because we're eternal beings, our souls cannot be satisfied by anything under the sun. Our souls hunger. They thirst for the eternal one whose name is Jesus All right, if you're running after these other things, hoping they're going to bring something, they can't. He's the only one who can bring a satisfied life. And to go one step further, you won't know how to fully live for today if you don't have an eternal perspective. You won't know how to manage finances. You won't know how to manage your household. If the way that you approach life is a here today, I'm facing what's in front of me kind of thing. If, but, but to have an eternal perspective that says I'm living for more. I'm living for something greater. I'm living for his kingdom. I'm, all of my life is for his glory. All of my life is for his kingdom. All of a sudden, you now know how to deal with today. All of a sudden, you now understand what it means to live for him and, and through him. All of a sudden, you understand why you are here. All of a sudden, you understand that you have a purpose. See, what's interesting is that you already know this, right? You already know this. You know that you were made for more. You can sense that there is more to our world than meets the eye. And yet we find ourselves settling. Settling for less, less than what Christ offers. So let me wrap it up with this. Here's the whole point. By having an eternal perspective, you are given both direction and a renewed determination to get back in the black because now you have a picture of your purpose in God's great universe, okay? So when we have our eyes set on him, our hearts set on him, now we understand how to face today. And that's what we're gonna do. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your grace. God, thank you for an opportunity to look at your word. I pray that your word stands out and is clear to us. I pray that we understand what we're called to. I pray that we understand that we were made for more. I pray that we get that our eyes are meant to be set on eternity. Our hearts are meant to be rooted firmly in your kingdom, even though our feet are planted and walking around here. And now, Jesus, help us. I mean, there are people in this room and in all these rooms that, you know, we... We've been following you for a long time, but we fall into something else. We fall into a place of, man, depending on things like power and wealth and prestige and pursuing things like pleasure. And we, we're settling. Our souls are settling and, and, and our souls are becoming like just they're, they're dying inside because we're not being satisfied. We're not eating of the thing that matters most. We're not seeking the thing that matters most, which is you. And so, Jesus, for everybody here that is, you know, a follower of you, I pray that we would take a step further into intimacy with you. I pray that we would put aside these different things and run after you, Jesus. But for those of us in this room who are still trying to figure it out, I pray that at the very least we would gain a picture of what life is meant to be like. At the very least, we would be convinced of the reality 
that we were created for more, created for eternity. And it would make sense as to why all these other things that we're pursuing aren't working. So have mercy, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.